There's a lot of discussion on how expensive new housing and new construction is. But on today's show, we speak with a builder who's tackling that problem head on. After working for a number of national builders, they are now building hundreds of homes a year that are entry-level prices. And what I love about today's show is they share how manufacturers can be more effective in their sales process to builders, as well as take advantage of the current market climate and the need for entry-level housing. It's going to be a great show. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Smarter Building Materials Marketing Podcast, helping you find better ways to grow leads, sales, and outperform your competition. All right, everybody, welcome to Smarter Building Materials Marketing, where we believe your online presence should be your best salesperson. I am Zach Williams. We've got a really exciting show lined up for you today. We've got Carla Sevilla, who's the principal of Linwood Homes and the owner of Chanticleer Properties on the show with us today. Welcome to the show, Carla. Hey, happy to be here. So Carla, for our listeners, why don't you just give us a little bit of your background and what you do? Sure. Well, my background is I grew up in North Carolina and went to school here in the state at both Duke and Carolina. So you're probably going to want to know who our tier four and it's definitely Duke. <laughs> Go Blue Devils. <laughs> and I went into the Marine Corps after that and uh, lived in California with my husband. And that's when I started real estate. I fell in love with sales and new construction at that time. I probably sold more homes to fellow Marines than you know, I was making in the Marine Corps at the time. And I just became very passionate about new home sales. So after that, I went back to North Carolina and got an MBA in real estate development. And ever since then, I have been a sales VP for Centex, Pulte, and then Dan Ryan Homes. And after time with them and nationals and regional builders, I decided to start my own home building company, which is the Glenwood Homes with two other partners. And we are focused here in the Triangle Market in Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And we also have a division in the Triad. So we kind of cover a lot of the state of North Carolina. Our company focuses on very affordable product and we typically have price ranges of under 300,000. So we do a lot of volume and we have just very finite set of plans, but they are plans that work and we are happy to deliver them in this awesome market right now. Yeah, it, you said it right. It's an awesome market. I mean, it's true for just about anybody in this industry, you know, both real estate and manufacturers. I'm curious to know, you worked, you know, for some pretty big builders. I don't know how much you're allowed to share, but can you share like what did you see about mm -hmm. those organizations that you were like, hey, you know, I think that there's a unique market here for us to do something different. And I'm not looking for you yeah. to say anything negative. I'm more just curious to know, like, what is the difference between, let's say, a, a builder developer like that and what you all are trying to do? Sure, absolutely. Pulte was phenomenal with their systems and processes. I uh, learned so many great things working with them in the sales department and the construction side of the house. Purchasing was very much dialed in national contracts. They used every division to get their purchasing power. The challenge we had with Pulte, and as on the sales side at least, is the offerings were limited. It was almost like, and I'm going to use my military background, you were on an aircraft carrier. So if the market is trending towards TND homes or customers wanting oil rub bronze, to turn that entire aircraft carrier around and go ahead and respond to the market needs is very, very difficult. So we did miss out on several opportunities, either in options and upgrades that we weren't offering to our consumers or also product lines. Certain lots that were being available in the triangle market, we did not have the particular product to go ahead and bid on that land. 
So because they are such a large organization and they are very corporate, we did lose out on some opportunities. So we went when I was here, we were the number one builder in the triangle market. But then as other builders came in and realized what a great place this is to build. It's huge, right? It's huge. So we started losing market share and haven't been able to regain that number one spot from the time that I was there. So I think just being so big is a bit of a challenge and being so tied to your systems and processes doesn't allow that builder to be a little more nimble about product changes or options upgrades for the consumer. And one thing I really like about what you all are doing is if you look at what's happening in the housing market, there's a lot that's being written about, you know, it's becoming more and more expensive for builders to do smaller, more entry-level housing. Yeah. Like there's a lot written about the average cost of the home has risen tremendously. And the fact that builders, a lot of the arguments we see is that builders can't make money on homes that are you know, entry-level, but you are going straight after that. Can you speak to that specifically and how you all are navigating that? Like, how are you doing something that a lot of builders are shying away from or saying it just isn't possible to do well? That's a great question. And I would say that it is difficult. If you are a builder buying a finished developed lot, you know, at a almost $100,000, you're not going to be able to sell that house for 250 and make any money. So what we do in our company is we actually find the land, the raw land, we entitle it and we develop it. So we are able to kind of purchase home sites a little less expensive than some of the other builders in this market because we do have that land entitlement capability in our in our company. The other thing we're doing is we're going outside of markets that are not as competitive. So Carry. We know we can't afford to build a house under 300000 in Carry. Okay. Every builder and their grandmother is building in that market. Apex, Holly Springs. So you know where we're at? We're going to Johnson County. We're going to smaller communities that do have land, that do have raw lots, that maybe the big guys aren't competing against us. So affordability, now that people are working from home more, you can go a little further outside of the metropolitan areas. So that's giving us a less expensive dirt cost, which allows us a passive savings onto the consumer. I love this so much because I think, you know, if you look at what's happening, like the housing shortage across, you know, just across the United States, like last numbers I saw were like a healthy housing market, somewhere between a million and a million four, you know, homes. And we're, we're like below 300,000 or something crazy right <laughs> yeah. now which is just absurd to say, but you all are, are helping that because you're providing that affordable approach. I'm really curious to know, a lot of building product manufacturers want to work with developers and they want to work with builders and they want to find ways to be better partners with them. From your perspective, you know, you've seen Pulte, you've seen these big builders, and now you're doing this on your own. Like what do the different types of developers want from manufacturers? Is it just price? I mean, obviously availability and supply is huge right now, but like, could you break down from your standpoint, what you see as a, as a good partner and like what can manufacturers do to be more effective in selling to and partnering with organizations like yourself? Well, that's a good question. I will say the market has changed significantly from the time I was selling in the boom, you know, in the early 2000s and to now. The consumer back then was a little more in tune with branding, quality, talking points, and even the green savings, those kinds of things were all, you know, people were talking about it was top of mind. Well, now because the market is so hot and people do want to take advantage of these low interest rates, I rarely hear those questions. They want to make sure they can get into a home on time. 
So having that manufacturer partner with us about ensuring their product is delivered, that if they are running low on supply, our appliance manufacturers have been great, that they will upgrade us and go ahead and make sure that, hey, we know you've got a closing date and a CO to hit. So we know you ordered the standard level refrigerator. We're going to go ahead and get you the next level so that you're not missing those dates because they've really partnered with us during this this crazy time of having products available and being able to meet our customers' demand. In terms of customers, I will say that price is very important. They still have to perform. So just for instance, North Carolina was typically a very much a hardwood market. If you're building in North Carolina, people are expecting hardwoods. Well, at my price point, I can't afford to put the five-inch plank hardwood, engineered hardwood in the homes, but we've found a great sheet vinyl product and a really great LVP product that looks so similar. And I've just trained my salespeople to say, this is a hardwood luxury vinyl plank. It still has the word hardwood in it. It looks like hardwood, but it's extremely durable. So they just kind of have to say, this is going to be the um, new product. It's durable, it's less expensive, and just sort of tweak their sales language around that. Yeah, I love that because you're understanding what the market wants and you're finding ways to position products around it. If I can ask you a pointy question, and I, I love asking this question, but do you have any examples of scenarios where manufacturers have tried to sell to you, but they've really missed the mark or done it incorrectly? Yeah. So like our siding, uh, you know, the Tyvek wrap, the sheet wrap around the houses. One of the sales reps just couldn't stop talking about putting our logo on that. And I'm like, we honestly don't even care. You know, like, great, you've got logo. But when that's blowing in the street, people are going to pick up the phone and say, Glenwood Homes (laughs) is, you know, not picking, (laughs) picking up their trash. The customer isn't even looking at that. So I, I think it's, To me, like they're just trying to puff up the builder. Oh, we're going to stamp your logo on all of our house wrap. It's like, "Mm, how much is this going to cost me in the end? That's really what I care about. So that, that would be probably the only example I could think of recently. That's a good one. If we look at the economy right now, like obviously things are very hot. Like you mentioned, you know, pre-recession, people are asking different questions. And a lot of that is due to the fact that there's a lack of availability Like if I look at the town I live in, back in 2009, 2010, the average home sat on the market for 110 plus days. Now it's three days, right? It's just because there's so much competition. I'm curious to get your perspective about how you think things are going to change beyond 2021. Like, Because if you look at 2021, it's supply, it's price, it's availability. It's I mean, there is a quality durability component, but it's about making sure you've got your supply chain in place, especially when you're you know working with builders like yourself. What do you see that's the next thing that's going to happen down the road? Like, Where should people be thinking about the changes that are going to happen in the market that they need to be thinking about? That's a good question. And it's almost like I wish I had a crystal ball. <laughs> yes. But I don't. No pressure, right? Yeah, no pressure. So I definitely think product efficiency is really going to always stay important to the consumer's mind. So I'm seeing things like no one ever talks about a formal dining room anymore. So all of my plans that we design are going to have a flexible space at the front of the home. You can pick flex space, you can pick office, you can put dining room. Oh, you can even pick a guest bedroom downstairs. So really letting that customer use their square footage efficiently is something that I think is going to be 
because they're spending so much more time at home and they're really thinking about every square foot. Before, you could just have a two-story foyer, right? That, that was something that was very popular. None of our plants are going to have that. Every inch, every square foot is going to be used so that that customer can get you know, the best bang for their buck at the end of the day. And if you can do it for 100 square feet smaller, but still give them the same amount of rooms, same amount of bathrooms and save them some money, that's where it is. It's all about value engineering to ensure that you're delivering the best value proposition for the consumer. Because one of the things I've noticed is my consumers aren't willing to pay for an elevation upgrade. They just aren't. Mm. So all this time I'm spending to do six different sexy elevations just no one's picking them. You know, they just kind of, at least in my price point, they really want to have the best value proposition and get into that home with a certain square footage, certain bathroom count, certain bedroom count. You said a word there a minute ago, which I think is, it's a bit of a divisive word at times, which is value engineering. Mm-hmm. I'm really curious to get your perspective on that and how you see that continuing to evolve and change you know, in the marketplace, both from the manufacturing, you know, building product standpoint, as well as from the developer builder perspective? Yeah. Well, value engineering used to be kind of a dirty word to every salesperson. (laughs) You don't want to ever have to have things stripped down, but I've lived it and breathed it with four different builders. And I will say there are times where you can take it too far. So for instance, I remember at Syntex, when I was a VP of sales there, we were value engineering a product that we actually had to do it in the middle of the neighborhood. That's how bad the market had gotten. And we started charging for doorbells. Wow. Now that's clearly not the right direction for that consumer. So that was back in what, 2007. But now fast forward, you can actually turn that into a positive. Hey, well, you're not going to have to pay for the standard doorbell. We're going to upgrade you for free to a ring doorbell, you tie that in with your security monitoring package that is basically in essence, you know, getting Guardian or ADT in front of them and there you saved money and the consumer feels that they're getting an upgrade. So you don't want to take it away from the consumer. You just almost have to think about value engineering in a way where either number one, they don't notice or number two, you're going to upgrade it for them, but not in, in terms of your pocket and your margin. I love that. That's great. Okay, sidebar conversation here. Have you ever been to the Builder Show? Yes. Mm-hmm. So the Builder Show happened this past week. Did you participate at all in like the online version? I didn't because it was virtual, I think. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I usually, I got to be in Vegas to go. <laughs> yeah. So you've been to the Builder Show obviously before. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of questions about like, are trade shows going to happen again? You know, is it going to be a big part of the industry? Can I get your take on that? Like, are you going to go to, trade shows in the future or are you rethinking that at all? I love the trade shows. I feel like it sparks a lot of creativity with my line of work. And I'm I'm the type of person that I'm not nervous about, you know, everything that's happening. But again, I'm a different demographic. I'm a little bit younger and I've been to Iraq for a year. So I feel like I can handle going to a trade show. But I know that not everybody has that same sentiment. I would love to go back and I'm excited to go and see, feel, touch the product. I think that's a very important part of what I get to do when I'm, you know, trying to say, okay, what can we do better next year? What other products can we get in front of our customers? So I'm hoping that it will be in person because I I do get a lot of value out of that. That's interesting because, you know, a lot of people, and this is especially from the manufacturing side of things, are like questioning the ROI 
of the trade show. Cause it's frankly, it's very expensive for a lot of building mm-hmm. product manufacturers to go and exhibit, send their people out there, set up for three days. And you're like, did I get a good return? But I think it's interesting for you to say like, even with things so hot in terms of the market, like you still would like to go and see and yeah. experience new products and network too. Like that's obviously a big part of it. Well, I know that my partners and I, we came back and we probably signed up. I personally on the sales and marketing signed up two different vendors that have been phenomenal. And then I know my construction VP, he signed up like three. So, and that was just in the, in the last one. So I feel like we all get value out of it. And those are, you know, those are vendors that may have never even touched us. Didn't even know we existed, but we are able to find them because we are a smaller builder. I mean, we're a smaller in-state builder, but you know, doing 200 homes a year can drive some good business for those manufacturers. That's great. Well, this has been excellent, Carla. I really appreciate you taking some time to connect and just share your insights. If someone wants to connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, my cell phone's always ringing. You can try that. (laughs) But (laughs) email's probably the best. It's Carla at cptriangle.com. And that would probably be the easiest way to get a hold of me. That's great. I'll make sure we link to that in the show notes. And for our listeners, if you like this content, make sure you go to venvio.com slash podcast. Until next time, I'm Zach Williams. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.